The Ringer's Dave Hill takes you on a journey into the underground lives and careers of six professional gamblers. This eight-part podcast is a unique look into the gambling world that you don't want to miss. Check out Gamblers on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. Hey, before we started today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show, just wanted to note that we recorded this episode before the news broke about the NFL signing a bunch of new rights deals with broadcasters. If you want to hear about that, Kevin Clark went on the Press Box with Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker. You can listen to Kevin talk about these new deals on the Press Box feed, and Kevin will also be discussing those deals on the Ringer NFL Show here next week. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by my co-host, Danny Kelly. You may know us from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which airs every Wednesday during the offseason, but we are coming to you every Friday until the draft here for the Ringer NFL Show on the big board. And today, we are ranking free agency winners and losers with the one and only Kevin Clark. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm doing phenomenal. I'm excited about this free agency period. I'm learning a lot about the league. There's a lot of sports going on, Danny Heifetz. There's a lot of sports. Are you a March Madness guy? Uh, I'm not a March Madness guy. No, no. Um, I, it's not, you know, obviously I went to the University of Miami, uh, which is not a, a March Madness school per se. Uh, we're not really a hoops, hoops area there. Um, and so I've never really caught the bug, so to speak. Can I ask you a serious question? If the University of Miami is mostly famous for like paying players to come, then like why aren't they good at basketball? Well, first of all, we got rid of the program for like <laughs> over a decade in the 80s. We decided oh. to not have a basketball team. Um, that seems like a mistake. Well, baseball. So b- baseball is probably more popular on campus than the basketball. Mm. That's a real, absolutely mind-blowing. It's not, I don't think that that's that uncommon in some parts of the Southeast. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Anyway, I guess we can talk football here. So we're going to go through, we're going to give our winners in free agency, but obviously winners and losers in free agency has like a connotation because if you win free agency, you're kind of lose. So first of all, Kevin, you've been talking about this this week on the show. What do you, what does a winner in free agency even mean? I think it's, it's a team that had their questions answered, right? Like it's, it's not going out and saying, Okay, we spent, like I saw a stat from Warren Sharp the other day, that the Jaguars have spent $1.1 billion in free agency <laughs> over the last decade, right? Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's probably not how you win for agency. But what you can do is go out and say, okay, we had these holes. There's at least an answer here. There's a logic to everything. So when I think about who wins free agency, it's teams that uh, I have a lot less questions about uh, than I did three days ago. DK, what do you think a winner in free agency is? I mean, I think... The way that Kevin answered that is very, very accurate. Like filling holes that you needed to fill in terms of, you know, big needs on the roster or making sure that you're not going into the draft like completely, you know, you, you, you're not depending on these draft picks to like fix your team. You don't have to yeah. go in and have get a right tackle. Like that's a good way to win free agency is to give yourself options for the next year where you're not completely married to doing one thing in the draft, you can let the draft board follow you. So um, the way that I approached this wasn't necessarily like the team that, you know, got the best, the, the most players or that got the, spent the most money. Obviously that has been a huge sort of land or, or, or minefield in the past. And so that's not exactly the way to win it. However, you know, a few teams, I think 
even though they did spend a lot of money, I think they made themselves better. They added talent. At the end of the day, like having more talent on your roster can be a good thing, even though free agent free agency is is notorious for being sort of like this, you know, fake thing that we'd get excited about in the offseason and then it ends up being terrible like later. I think that you you can do it in the right way. So um that's kind of the point of view that I try to take when I made my list. Well, the famous analogy is you're not supposed to go shopping hungry, right? And that's the thing. It's like you can go to the supermarket and leave with a good cart or a bad cart. Depends, you know, your mentality when you're shopping. So I like with, that. With that said, okay, so we're going to go here. Deke and I ranked the top five teams that we liked what they did in free agency. And Kevin, you want to just absolutely shred us where we're wrong? What if you guys are right? Then tell us we're right. I love to okay. be told I'm right. It's like <laughs> I'm, my favorite I'm thing. starting from a place of positivity here, and I will I will react if you got if your lists are trash. But I, I like I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. I'm rooting for you guys to have both top <laughs> fives. List. I think, hey, these, these are great lists. These these teams solve their problems. Let's let's ride. Wow, thank you. This is this is like a little safe space. This is great. Hey, let me oh, tell yeah. you, it's like Belichick. Don't tell me what a guy can't do. Tell me what he can do. And when I'm I'm starting with you guys, I think you guys can both make good top five lists. Wow. <laughs> That's why if you were a GM you could, and you had 10 years, you would you would win a division title. I would be a terrible... You know, by the way, the only if, if anyone's listening to this podcast since 2016, they know I, only, I crush mid-round picks. Crush them. Like, I was on Alvin Kamara ahead of anybody else. I was ahead of Fred Warner ahead of everybody else. Like, that, that would be my bread and butter if I was a GM. I would never hit on a first-round pick. It would so never you're Dave happen. Gettleman. <laughs> it would never happen. I would maybe maybe I'd be one of these like Belichick types who just trade back all the time John and then just get a bunch of yeah, yeah, just get a Seahawks, bunch of third round picks. Yeah, I, I, I would be a bit like, and it's funny because Schneider actually and I have similar views on football where it, like just drafts like off athleticism in the mid rounds and and take flyers on guys. So what yeah. I'm saying is I should be the GM of the Seahawks. What I'm saying you should trade <laughs> how many how many fourth round Russell picks Wilson's would you trade Russell Wilson? <laughs> I would not trade Russell Wilson. So wait, to put put a bow on it, I would be a terrible GM. I would just draft. I think I've said this before. I would never make the playoffs. I'd give about a ton of bad contracts, but I would draft like five Hall of Famers. <laughs> That's, well, my That's my take on my, my executive career. That's a good take. All right, we'll circle back on that. Okay. DK, you want to go first here? What's the team that you yeah. like the most what they did in free agency over the last week? I really liked what Washington has done, actually. I think... Yeah. You know, coming into free agency, there, for me at least, not a lot of reasons to get excited about this team, even though, you know, they made the playoffs last year. They they snuck into the playoffs. I think t still looking at that roster, good defense. I was not excited about the offense. I didn't know if they could kind of recreate what they did last year. But to to Kevin's point, like they answered some questions for me. Number one, the quarterback spot, Ryan Fitzmagic. <laughs> Ryan Fitzmagic is back. Fitzpatrick's ninth team. I was actually surprised to hear this. He has played for nine teams now. Um, he's a one-year, $10 million deal. It's not breaking the bank. You're coming, you're bringing in a guy who I think can inject some energy. You know, he can push the ball down the field. He can help your run game because he's aggressive, like throwing down the field last year. You know, obviously, um, they kind of cycled through quarterbacks. Alex Smith is not a push-the-ball-down-the-field type of guy. Um, so I really like the Fitzpatrick move. I think that's a smart move. A bridge to the future. They can still go and draft a guy this year if they want. If it, if 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 the draft board falls to them, which is like I was saying, you know, they don't they're not forced to, but it gives them an opportunity to kind of draft a guy, let them sit for a year if they want, and go from there. The Curtis Samuel pick uh, yeah. signing, I really like too. I think that's exciting for them. Now you look at this Washington offense, and it's legitimately maybe one of the fastest offenses in the NFL. You know, we always talk about the Chiefs having so much speed, being able to change the geometry of how you have to defend them. Now, Washington has Terry McLaurin, 4-3 speed, Curtis Samuel, 4-3 speed, and Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield, who is like a 4-3-4-4 guy, you know, as a running back. Add in some of the weapons that they've, they've sort of used in, in different ways, like J.D. McKissick. I'm not saying he's like an elite player, but he's, a, he's an interesting role player in his ability to kind of catch the ball, do different things out of the backfield. I think, you know, with Scott Turner at OC... This is going to be an interesting offense to me. They also franchise Brandon Sharp, which kind of flew under the radar, keeping their really good guard. So all things considered, I really liked what they did with their offense. I think this offense is actually going to be fun to watch next year, which is, from my point of view, brownie points. And then I also really liked signing William Jackson. I think that was a really smart move. Um, Three-year, $42 million deal. He has been, in my opinion, a very underrated star 
you know, at cornerback over the last few years. Um, you know, he he's a guy that can play multiple different schemes. He can play man. He can play zone. Um, I think it gives them, with, along with Kendall Fuller, Landon Collins, and Cameron Curl, who as a rookie last year was surprisingly good, um, a burgeoning secondary and to, to match up with what is already an elite defensive line. This defense, I think, has a chance to be really good. So um, all things considered, those four moves makes Washington a, in my mind at right now, at least the favorite sort of in that division again. So Ooh. kudos to them. They did a really good job. Ooh. <laughs> I just thought that that was a very interesting comment at the end there because I... I, I am playing both sides in the same way that I waited until September of last year until the Eagles injuries to declare the Eagles not making the playoffs. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know what's going to happen with the NFC East to the point of not making any proclamations. Like I, I, Dallas could be better. I, I love the football team, um, but it's that's it's interesting that you're 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 calling. Let's just say what it is. It's you're right now. It. It's just it's right it's now. Over. You're calling making it. Making the race is over. <laughs> If I had to put money on a team, I would absolutely put money on Washington to win the division. I think they're the favorite. I think that defense, the defensive line is among the best units any team has in the entire league. And then now they have an offense that can actually put up points. They can give the defense leads to defend, which was not really happening last year. But I think that that defense is going to be great. But now Fitzpatrick's exciting. And you've also got McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, which weren't they at Ohio State together with Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, McLaurin tweeted something about how they were talking about it in the freshman dorms about playing for the same NFL team Isn't there back like, in the day. There's kind of sitcom vibes here where it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> turns out yeah. he had one credit shy of Harvard and then transfers as like a 38-year-old guy at Ohio State. Like, there's just, <laughs> I don't know. There's like, you could make some kind of show about this. I like that. But no, I agree. Okay, so. Who's your number one? Oh, so I, I had the Bucks. I had the Bucks at like three. So I agree. My number one, though, I think the Bucks. You had I Washington think- at three? Washington, I'm Washington at three, but I think the winner of free agency is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because yeah. they kept all their good players from hitting free agency. I feel like that's actually the goal of free agency is you don't want to be competing. They took all these players and they had all of them stay on relatively team friendly deals. They had Brady renegotiate this deal to add like three fake years. And then they used and then Gronk did the same thing. Gronk, who told Kyle Brandt on the Ringer Podcast Network that he's only signing one year deals technically signs a five-year deal with four fake ones. They create all this cap space. They keep Levante David at like a team-friendly deal. They keep Shaq Barrett, who has the second most sacks over the last two years. And you keep Chris Godwin. I mean, the point, like you win a Super Bowl, they're like, let's keep all the guys together. They did. That's what you want. I just, it seems so easy to see like the Bucks will start 10 and one or whatever. I just, I just love that. Is there so, any argument there? <laughs> I, about the Bucks winning for agency? I mean, no. I mean, yeah. I, I think that they... I, I, I thought at some point they might be able to get all these guys under contract, but I thought it was an uphill battle. To have everything solved, with the exception of Ndamukong Sue, who, and we'll see about that, to have everything solved by three hours into for agency is is a football miracle. Good for them. Yeah. I So, yeah, is this I mean, I'm on the same page, Hyphens. I have them at my number two spot. And so, when, when we go back to the drunken boat parade, everybody's talking about running it back, you know, it's like this cliche thing where like, oh, yeah, in the in the in that moment, in that feeling when you're really amped up, everyone talks about how great it is. We're going to keep this band together, blah, blah, blah. And then reality sets in a few months later, a few weeks later. And you're like, oh, I get I could get two more million dollars if I go here or whatever. And the, to me, the big one is Shaq Barrett. Like, how did they keep Shaq Barrett? I thought for sure he was going to be gone because, you know, I think he could have t- taken a top of market deal with someone else to go and, and, you know, like make his money, but he didn't. Well, but, but what was the top of market deal in this year? I mean, this is what we've been talking about for a That's month true. now, which yeah. is that this was benefiting the good teams because in a normal year, a team would go out and say, we're going to blow our entire budget on Shaq Barrett. Well, that just yeah. wasn't the reality for agency. I'm mean, like, maybe the Jets or the or the Colts or one of these teams and the Colts weren't going to make a big swing like this, but maybe a team or the Patriots were going to say, hey, we're going to give all our money to Shaq Barrett. But I think the reality is that this free agent period benefited the Bucs um, because there wasn't a team mm-hmm. that was was both desperate and uh, cap cap space heavy. Um, so I don't yeah. I, I think that there was a slight advantage tilting towards the Bucs. I still think it's it's remarkable that they did this, but I do think the circumstances are right for them to run it back. But this is also the Brady effect, right? Because at some point when you're talking about the difference between 16 and a half million and 17 and a half million dollars per year, it's like at some point you got into football for the money, but also because you love football, you're winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Who wants to leave that? This is like you're part of history. It's about legacy. I will say this. There are now there are two people who 
kept their promises from long ago. One is the Bucks at the Drunken Boat Parade saying running it back, and the other is Terry McLaren <laughs> and, and Curtis Samuel in their yeah, freshman year dorm saying they were going to play uh, together in the NFL. Wait. So that's promises made, promises kept. Wait, speaking of the Boat Parade, we talk so much about the importance of process, judging process and not judging outcomes. So with that said, I know that the Lombardi Trophy was caught. However, how do you feel about Brady throwing the trophy? Because if it had sunk to the bottom of Tampa Bay, the whole discourse would have been different. So how do you judge the throw? I've seen a lot of things thrown from boat to boat in my day <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, uh, That's at least one of the top 10 most valuable. Um, and so I, I've it normally works. More often than not, it works. I'm trying to think of something that's been lost. I don't know. It depends. It depends on the body of water. It depends what you're doing. It depends yeah. if there's a lot of alligators around. In Orlando, there's certain lakes you just can't really do anything in. There's a lake called Lake Jessup in Orlando that has 13,000 alligators, so you just really can't do anything with the water there. Are you kidding me? Um, no, it's where all the developers who, because you can't, you obviously have to put the alligator somewhere if you want to get rid of them. Um, so they would all dump them in Lake Jessup. This was a while ago. So now it's 13,000 alligators. So you really can't do anything in the water there. Um, so what I'm saying eaten. is, is that they were obvious. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady understood that, you know, there was a, a risk there. But I think he could have gotten the Lombardi Trophy back if it went in the water. It would have been fine. They, they could have gotten divers. It would have been fine. I just like I've to ever... picture it clanging off the front of the boat, just <laughs> go right into the water. Everyone's like, oh, God. Like, think about think about the image on that. That is a bad omen right there. <laughs> maybe maybe they don't it run was it back. caught and they ran it back. They ran yeah. it back. I did once see, I did once witness a carton of cigarettes being traded to a shrimp boat in exchange for like three pounds of like jumbo shrimp just being tossed over the edge. But I've never thrown a Lombardi trophy. Where was this? Uh, International waters, technically. Okay. Who's okay? DK, how just happened? I was was kayaking (laughs) international waters last week. Really? Two weeks ago. Yeah. That's far off the the coast. How do you kayak? In the Florida Keys, it's pretty easy to get to international waters. I don't know anything about Florida law. I'm not even convinced they have laws. No, the guy, the tour, the guy who was leading the kayak expedition was like, "We're in international waters now," so it just started, just started gambling. <laughs> I would listen to a full hour of Heifetz interviewing Kevin about Florida. I'm not kidding. It's a spit-off pod. There I just go. love, I love Florida talk. <laughs> okay, yak in Florida. DK, who else won a free agency? So I got Washington one. I have Tampa Bay two. We talked about them. So for me, number three, and this one might be. Some people might disagree with this one. I think the Patriots. I know and I recognize that if this was another team, we'd probably be making fun of them. If this was another GM, we'd probably be like, what are they doing? They're spending so much money. This is going to backfire hilariously. But I'm looking at what the Patriots have done. And actually, I, I like their moves. I like the majority of their moves. I like that they added a bunch of talent. They identified that they had... A massive, like really just a talent deficiency. If you look at that roster last year, they just needed more guys. They needed more like good players. And they've want, they've gone out. They got back court, uh, Cam Newton back on a really cheap deal. He's not, you know, it's not like they're, it's costing them a lot to get him. They still honestly don't even have to commit to him at this point yet as a starter. Um, they went out and got Trent Brown, trade, Ted Karras in free agency. They added two of the top, the two top tight ends in free agency. They, you know, they had a big problem last year with um, offensive talent, offensive skill players being able to make plays. Um, they recognized that. So they went out and, and spent big money to get Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. And I think that was very interesting from a schematic point of view uh, strategy in terms of like, that's where they're allocating their money. I think that's a very interesting thing. Like you don't see teams spend on two top tight ends rarely, or if ever. So I think that's really fascinating. And then obviously Aguilar and Bourne, I think, are fine. But the, they beefed up their defensive line. Matt Judon, uh, Kyle Van Noy, Devin Gacho, Henry Anderson, re-signed uh, Dietrich Wise. The other thing is the, this Kyle Van Noy signing that kind of went under the radar yesterday. The Patriots are getting a fourth-round comp pick for Van Noy this year and for letting him go and play in Miami for a year. And now they have Van Noy and that pick back. So I just think that was like a perfect sort of, you know, that's the microcosm of the of the Patriots. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if I love the Jalen Mills signing. We'll see how that works out. But there's there's a few things in here sprinkled in that I didn't quite like. But I, for the most part, I really like what the Patriots done. They spent like literally almost twice as much as any other team <laughs> at this point. So um, kind of a bold strategy. 
I have them as my loser, and for that reason, because yeah. if I, I know, look at I, the moves, the only reason that I like what they did is it's like, well, Belichick did it, and that's Get my only ass. reason. If any, like, literally, if there are thirty other teams had done this, I would yeah. be panning it. And so I'm giving Belichick the benefit of the doubt because Bill Belichick has been coaching football since long before I was born. So I'm not going to sit here and say he's wrong, but it's more just being objective about this. I don't understand a couple of these moves. Giving Nelson Ag like so last year the Raiders signed Nelson Aguilar for a million bucks. He was great. Now the Patriots are giving him eleven million a year. Are you supposed to go out and get Nelson Aguilar, or are you supposed to look at that situation and be like, let's find our own version of Nelson Aguilar? You want the million dollar receiver who outplays it. You don't need the specific guy. I don't know why they don't get John Brown who signed with the Raiders for like a million bucks. And then the same thing with Matt Judon. I get signing Judon, but like. Why are they paying Matt Judon was $34 million guaranteed when they j could have waited two days and just signed Van Noy for $13 million across two full years? It's just it seemed like there's a lack of patience. I don't really understand it. I mean, again, it's Belichick, so maybe it'll all work. And I, he's earned the benefit of the doubt, if nothing else. <laughs> but looking at the moves in totality, I don't really understand. Uh, I, I, other than Belichick, I don't like being the person in charge of it. I don't like it. What, do, what did you make of all these signings, Kevin? So I like some more than others, obviously. The Jalen Mills signing to me was the biggest head scratcher. I, I agree with DK. Just because you're versatile doesn't mean you're good. Um, just because you can <laughs> yeah. do a bunch of different right. stuff doesn't mean you're actually valuable. Um, but I think that there's a lot of smart people who are saying this was the only way they could they could get there. Um, this was maybe Bill, Bel Bill Belichick's admission that he's just never going to draft a good wide receiver ever again, so you might as well overpay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think that there's it, it makes sense in some spots. Uh, they had the money to spend, and everybody was you know I said this on our pod a couple of days ago, but Belichick's been looking for the inefficiency now for for twenty years um, in New England, and in a weird way, for the first time, uh, this was the inefficiency. Spending was the inefficiency. He's always the the bargain basement uh, bargain bin shopper, and he didn't need to be this time. And instead, he overpaid for guys. I think I agree with both of you guys in the sense that this could backfire. But I'm looking at the moves that they've made and it changes my opinion of the Patriots for 2021. Like I was looking at them before as sort of this team that was probably going to be middling at best. And now I, I look at them as a probable playoff team. So maybe that is going to end up being like me buying, like drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever. But I just think the Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Cam Newton, the, the, what they've done with the offensive line, defensive line. You, you look at every spot, every part of this roster now, and the Patriots are pretty talented now, like at, at everywhere across the uh, across the board. So, you know, when, when you factor in Belichick's ability to coach guys up, I think to me, this is just what makes it exciting. It could it could backfire, but I'm I'm right now guessing it does not. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, again, like the they used to be trading out of the first round because first round picks were overvalued. And I do think to Kevin's point, there's like an interesting argument that after 10 years of everyone being like, wow, don't spend in free agency. Then they dip in with this cap situation. Be like, actually, no, screw it. We're going to go do it. And you know what? The ability to admit mistakes has been kind of the strength of the Patriots all along. So admitting the mistake they've made in drafts is better than you it, know, putting your head in the sand like other teams. They're they're doing the Warren Buffett thing. It's like, be greedy when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. Like, everyone is fearful right now about free agency because the cap is dropping. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe this is that's probably not what he's thinking, but I, it is kind of an interesting sort of zig when everyone else is zagging type deal. It reminds me a little bit of like post Moneyball Billy Bean, like <laughs> Billy Bean became really, really famous, obviously, for valuing on base percentage. You know, we don't need a closer when do things differently. And then in I forget the year, but it was maybe four or five years after the book came out. There was a year where he just really prioritized defense and he gave some big extensions up. And it was just because the 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 vision that he'd set out for had become too popular. Yeah. Um and right. so yeah. I'm not saying Belichick did that. Like I'm not saying Belichick set out to get everybody to start value hunting and then he decided to start spending. Like it wasn't he he was not playing the long game here. I'm just saying if you look at the situation, it's just a, it's it, they are some individual smart decisions i think that on the whole i don't think the patriots got much better um, and i, I want to kind of underline that point here even if he made some good decisions here i don't think the patriots are a playoff team in 2021 um but what i do think is is that kind of what we're talking about if if the if the criteria is they answered questions about the roster they did that um they were just starting a little bit 
far away from the playoffs, and I don't think they got there. So speaking of Moneyball, my second team is the Houston Texans, specifically because you know that line in Moneyball where they're like, there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us? Like, that's where the Texans are right now. And I know it's weird to highlight the Texans right now, but they just signed like a dozen people, like 12 or 15 people in the last three or four days. None of them were very exciting. I mean, we're talking about like Terod Taylor, Mark Ingram, who I think is a good locker room guy, like defensive tackle Malik Collins, like six like linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks you've never heard of on like one or two year deals. They're all cheap. <laughs> it's yeah. good. Like at the bare again, questions about the roster. You know what the biggest question for the Texans was after who plays quarterback for them is like who plays for this team? Do we have any good players in this roster? The whole thing was hollowed out by Bill O'Brien and Nick Casario, the GM, does have to go about running the team and they're just throwing stuff at the wall. And like, it's not exciting. It's not cool. But there's something to be said about, hey, we're going to throw 20 contracts at the wall and hopefully four of them stick for next year. We need some blocks to build around. I just, I just think it's a, it's a good and unsexy strategy. But I, I, I think it makes sense. I, I almost had them as one of my losers. <laughs> I... Because kind of, I look at what they've done, and this isn't even talking about like the Deshaun Watson situation. It's basically, I didn't like any of the signings that they made. <laughs> I don't know. It was one of those things where, I think, Heifetz, you even said, it's like none of them are exciting. None of them, no. I think, makes them markedly better or, you know, gets them out of where they are. It, to me, it's like they, it, this is a bunch of empty calories and it's not going to make them a good team. That that was just kind of like my impression of it. So um, I would disagree on the Houston one. That's fine. I look at it as like Mark Ingram. I look at it as is Mark Ingram going to like run for a thousand yards this year? No, I look at it as Mark Ingram is in here to stabilize the locker room where J.J. Watt just said that this is a toxic organization. I want out mm -hmm. of here publicly. And it's I look at it as this is kind of triage on the team, like the organization <laughs> right. from an identity perspective. It's not exactly like a traditional free agency thing, but sometimes you need to do triage on the team. I will say, I, I think that there's probably a disconnect. I think Nick Casario can run this like a competent franchise on the bottom half of the roster or, or whatever you want to call it and just make some nice value moves. But it kind, kind of like some other teams here, they're just so far away from competence that, that that's not going to solve anything. And like even if they're doing nice moves that you and, and I and Danny Kelly would grade as like B-plus moves or whatever, like that that's that's not what's going to help this franchise. Um, and I think that there's just structural problems in the franchise need to be addressed uh, before Nick Casario's moves mean anything. One thing I will add, and I don't, I'm not like strenuously disagreeing with you, Heifetz, because one thing I noticed while I was making this list is it was kind of hard to pick five winners yeah. <laughs> for me to be totally <laughs> it honest. It was... I had to reach a little bit, I feel like, and you'll maybe see that in my next couple of picks. I, I, to me, free agency were, you know, technically it kind of started on Monday. We're about a weekend almost. And I feel like there's still a lot that could happen. But right now, there aren't that many clear big time winners. There's a bunch of teams that made some moves that, you know, I, I feel like there was mostly neutral on like the vast majority of these NFL teams. So, um, I think that is very interesting that right we've already had, you know, two disagreements on losers versus winners. I I think that just kind of tells you how this free agent period has gone. It's indicative of free agency. So yeah. Okay. So who's your who's your third winner from free agency, DK? So so right now I'm like, I got Washington, Tampa Bay, New England. And my number four pick is the Seattle Seahawks. And the vast majority of the Seahawks pick is the fact that they didn't trade Russell Wilson. <laughs> like they didn't do the disastrous, I guess. Wait, I'm, I'm 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 grading the Texans on a curve, and you give the Seahawks a cur <laughs> yeah. curve for like not screwing up their organization, for not completely hamstringing and their team for the next ten years. Yes, I think that they deserve some credit for that. Um, I will say the other moves that they made yesterday on on Wednesday afternoon, I thought were very smart. Gerald Everett is a player I've had my eye on kind of for a while as a underrated talent who. For whatever reason, like there was moments during his first four years where it felt like he was about to break out and be a big time playmaker for the Rams. And then he would like get hurt or whatever. There was just so many situations yeah. where he was close to kind of breaking out and, and establishing himself as a big player for them. And then something happened and it just didn't happen. And, and Tyler Higby kind of took over and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But I think he's a good player that got him on a one year, six million dollar deal. So that's, you know, a very reasonable cost to get a another playmaker in the offense. I think that was a big need for the Seahawks last year. If you go back to the second half of the season, I think one of the reasons their offense completely went off the rails 
is that Tyra Lockett throughout much of the second half of the season wasn't fully healthy. It looked like he was struggling. Um, he wasn't at his top speed. They basically had DK Metcalf and nobody. You know, Greg Olson wasn't a difference maker. Um, you know, and then with Lockett Hurt, it's like, who are they going to throw to? Like, their rookie, Freddie Swain, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, they didn't have... How dare have you sully Freddie Swain's name? Go-to guy. I mean, Freddie Swain was pretty impressive for a six-round rookie, but um, that's what you were dealing with as kind of like their playmakers. So... Um, you know, th- it was honestly a, a situation late in the year where every the Seahawks fans were like, when is Josh Gordon, you know, going to come and save the Seahawks offense? It was like that was the kind of situation we were in. So getting another guy who can be the, he, he'll be the tertiary option. He'll be the number three behind DK and Tyler Lockett. And that's good because if either of those guys miss time or get hurt, Everett can kind of step in and be. You know, I don't think he's a big time star, but he can be a go to guy. He's very good at running after the catch. He, he has, um, you know, he's very, very physical. They can move him around the, the formation, all that stuff. So I thought that was a smart signing. Uh, they re signed Puna Ford, who quietly was one of their best defenders to a two year deal. So that was smart. And then they traded a fifth round pick for Gabe Jackson, a guard with the Raiders, which I think this to me was the move the Seahawks absolutely needed to make. If they're going to have, number one, if they're going to repair this sort of, damaged relationship, I guess you could say, with Russell Wilson, whatever, whatever's going on behind those scenes. Um, this move to me screams like, hey, we're trying to help you out here. We're getting a guy who's been one of the best pass-protecting guards in the NFL throughout his career. You know, it's a perfect fit in terms of what Seattle's looking for. He, he kind of fits the mold of what the type of offensive lineman that they've been looking for the last few years. Um, big people mover. Um, put him down, either a right guard or left guard. I'm not sure what they'll do, but opposite Damian Lewis, their rookie guard from last year, who was really surprisingly good for them. So they're solidifying their offensive line. I think that was a smart move. It didn't cost them a bunch, like a fifth-round pick, and you got a starter for it. Um, and then finally, and again, this is like sort of... A, reaching a little bit but i i was kind of relieved they didn't sign shaq griffin to the deal that he got in free agency i just didn't see him as that level that caliber of corner he may end up turning into that maybe that's the jags are, are signing this guy thinking he'll be the next good great quarter cornerback in the nfl but i don't think what we saw from him in seattle in his first four years really warranted that contract so i i thought that was a smart move for them to let him walk in free agency so be overall you speak you know, of kevin's dad's star pupil Oh, that's favorite, right. Favorite people. About yeah. that. Um, so I do want to point out uh, just a general general overview of Seahawks fandom, which is that Danny Kelly's said that the Seahawks are winners because they didn't get Fuck up. wrangled into the worst trade of all time. That's the baseline. <laughs> they didn't randomly trade Ru- Russell Wilson for the 20th pick in this year's draft, plus a couple <laughs> other picks. And my favorite thing was, in that Dan Patrick package, um, three first round picks, a second, a third, and two starters. Like what what starters exactly? It was defensive starters. Like what starters are we are we talking about here? Yeah. Well, someone floated that that Khalil Mack was one of them, which would have made it somewhat more palatable. But no, I mean it was No, it would not they're have gonna made be picking palatable. late every year. Like it just didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense from what multiple were the Seahawks, What were the Seahawks gonna do with Khalil Mack and no quarterback? Go back to the like 2011 season where Tavares Jackson was starter and they were seven and nine and you know burgeoning defense, terrible offense. That would have been yeah. what we'd see. You know what, DK? Maybe I was a little too like nice to the Texans. Maybe they weren't too. But you're being the Seahawks. Like the Seahawks getting credit for not trading Russ is kind of it's like giving Doctor Evil credit and Austin Powers because he decided not to like nuke the entire Earth. Like it's like I'm oh, sorry, you didn't make some destructive decision. Did he so, decide? Did Doctor didn't Doctor Evil and um, was didn't. Austin Powers put a stop to that. Yeah, well, he changed his mind. It was his plan, and then he changed his mind. That's like the Russ trade. Who's Austin Powers in this scenario? Danny? Danny Kelly? <laughs> no, he's Dr. E. I don't know. I don't John know. Ryan Pace? Ryan Pace is, is Austin Henchman X. Let me defend myself on that, because this is something that everybody's been talking about on a daily basis for the past, like, month. On the Seahawks Seahawks Twitter or in real life? Trade in, in NFL media. Okay. Are the Seahawks going to trade Russell Wilson? The Bears made a very strong push. It's been in the news every single fucking day for the last month. The fact they didn't end up doing it, I think, is a win. You have to give them credit. <laughs> maybe I think don't you're give just credit. That's okay. Maybe I'm, I'm happy. Maybe that I'm you're not. Happy. Look, I'm not. Maybe I'm not applauding John Schneider for not doing the stupidest move ever. I'm just saying they are winners 
because they didn't do this stupid move. Well, we already named How Kevin about? as the Seattle GM. So Kevin's the winner. Congratulations, <laughs> Kevin. Okay. I just think that I just think we've lowered the bar for a winner here. <laughs> I think that that's exactly what happened. Here. That's right. the problem though. Go around the league, man. It's, it's tough sledding out there. All right. My next <laughs> winner, I, I got the Chargers. Because they're protecting Justin Herbert. Dickie, yeah. you mentioned before the Warren Buffett investing advice. There's also like a good tidbit I picked up. Scott Galloway, who's like a marketing professor at NYU Stern. And he's just like, I love investing in boring companies because all the sexy companies with cool ideas are the ones that like screw you and like get you to come in and don't make you anything. Boring, sometimes like really important things are boring to hear about. You know what's boring is the offensive line. So maybe I'm doing yeah. like my little maze impersonation here. But the, off the Chargers offensive line was last in run blocking for pro football focus last year. And they, and Herbert was the second most pressured quarterback. Like that's a Ooh. terrible combination. And so they come out and they sign Corey Lindsley to really pretty reasonable two years, $26 million. And they sign Matt Feeler for away from the Steelers for like two years and like $50 million. Now you got a center. Now you got a guard. I mean, Feeler can play guard or tackle. You got your right tackle on Brian Belaga and there you go. And you can draft a tackle in the, in the draft in April. Cause there's a lot of tackles going around and now you have an offensive line and they didn't have one before. And they have Herbert. Everyone loves Herbert. He's cheap. This is what you spend your money on is protecting Herbert. I think that that's absolutely huge. And there will be zero headlines about it because the Chargers signing offensive linemen is the most boring sentence I can think of. Signing the O-line is like investing in Coca-Cola or railroads. <laughs> are, I, I actually structure. don't know the answer. Are either of those a good investment right no, now? Probably not. I think I'm in not, the 20th probably century. Not anymore. Probably like not anymore. Centuries. I'm talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking like <laughs> these are Warren Buffett's like he invested in insurance Dude. companies, Coke. Railroads. There's a whole town in yeah. Florida where everybody's a millionaire because they got they were early investors in Coke. Do you know that the uh, the one of the former heads of Coca Cola tried to get like infrastructure? Like he wanted every family in America to have like a Coca Cola faucet <laughs> yes, to come into their like home. A, I do, like a that. thing that like goes around. The, yeah, they have they have they wanted like, irrigation the, for Coca Cola. It's like a, a utility of Coke. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to be a utility. That is exactly <laughs> what they wanted to be. I will say, just to close the loop on my earlier point, I think that there's a lot of cities in Florida where Coke is the main business, but <laughs> different types. <laughs> I love Florida. Coca Cola. Volatile investment. Coca Cola. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it. The, the, I, again, I, what I, I believe there's railroads all over Florida too. So I don't know. As far as the businesses go, like I think North Florida has a lot, a lot of railroad business as well. What about alligator <laughs> removal and putting them in that lake? That sounds like pretty I think that's lucrative done. too. I think that that's, that industry is over. I think that they're settled now. Well, you tell me that there's no guy, like there's like no license, but it's just the guy you keep well, calling and just shows up and no, moves your alligators. You can call the, the government and they'll help you. I feel like there's a guy with a pickup truck and some like really thick steel gloves and he will move your alligator if you give him a call. So the secret to alligators in general is that obviously their jaws close down at a very rapid speed, but the they don't open very well. So if mm. you get, if you just like, you can clamp an, an alligator's jaws shut pretty easily from what I understand. I've never done it, but. <laughs> that's that's kind of like pass rushers because you, you know, you get them when they're extended and like, you, you can know, take them out. You can take an alligator out of a game pretty easily is what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> You can this scheme that up. You can scheme that up. <laughs> That's why length and reach matters so much. Oh okay. God. That's why Florida uh, State basketball fits. might go far in the tournament. All right. Hi, Fitz. To respond to your pick, though, I actually had the Chargers on a short list of other teams that I like, too. And, and this kind of goes to a point that I think a lot of people make every year is like the teams that you don't really hear about doing anything earlier, the, early on in free agency are the ones that win. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they end up being the winners. Um, which clearly goes against my Patriots pick a little bit, but um, the Chargers were quiet. You know, the list of moves is like there's three moves they've made essentially, um, and but I think they're all smart moves, and it makes them better. And so um, I'm I'm with you on that. I think protecting you know protecting the quarterback long term, really good quarterback, um, is is an important thing to do. So kudos to them for that. On that note with teams doing nothing, my, my last winner for free agency is the Ravens because they made basically one move. They signed Kevin Zietler from the Giants, mm. which was upsetting yeah. for me personally. But this is, again, very boring. But they signed a guard who they needed a guard on the interior offensive line because the Ravens line was not great. But instead of paying a lot of money for Joe Tooney or paying a lot of money for another guard, they get Zietler, who, long story short, doesn't count against them for compensation picks. It is not worth explaining that. But long story short, they basically are now going to pick up maybe like a third round pick for Matt Judon mm -hmm. instead of if they had signed Joe Tini. So they basically got Zietler 
and a third round pick and not touching maybe a fourth rounder for Yannick Ngakwe. And like, he might even be better than Joe Tooney in this year. Like, you don't know. And especially, it's just so random with offensive lines sometimes in terms of sometimes, you know, who gets hurt, who's not. Obviously, Tooney's been durable, but I just think it was a really good signing for them. So I know it's really boring, but the Ravens just picked up a couple <laughs> picks, like with these other teams signing their players away, still filled the same position. Not yeah, they also they also re-signed a few of their defensive linemen. Justin Ellis, Tice Bowser, Derek Wolf. Um, you know, again, quiet moves that you, you adding depth to the defensive line or keeping their depth to the defensive line, I think is important. It, but my it is eyes a glaze over though. whenever we discuss compensatory yeah. picks, so we can move on. Unless Kevin, you have a serious big thought on on Kevin Zeitler. I have no. I, I just thought it was solid. It was fine. I don't have any big thought. DK, who's your last winner for free agency? All right, so I kind of waffle between three different teams here. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers because. I think keeping Trent Williams is big for them, for their identity, for what they want to do. You know, Kyle Shanahan, for all the uh, buzz that he gets as like a defensive genius, like they're run game oriented, you know, which is kind of goes against like modern pass first offenses and everything that's so sexy right now about pass first offenses this year or this in this era. He's a very much like a smash mouth, run the ball, um, you know, play balanced football, all that stuff. They signed Trent Williams, who probably was the best left tackle in the game last year. It's a, it's a pricey deal, um, but I think it was one that they needed to do and a move they needed to make to kind of really solidify what they want to do on offense overall. So signing him was great. I think Alex Mack, you know, perfect fit for them at center. Um, he's getting older too, but like at the same time, you know, I think they see themselves as a team that can compete for a Super Bowl again this year. That we're We're one year removed from them being in the Super Bowl last year, just disastrous injury situation. Um, so, you know, solidifying their offensive line, I think that was really smart of them. They si- they re-signed Jason Verrett for a one-year $5.5 million deal, which felt like another bargain. I think he's just trying to bet on himself again, you know, wait until next year when the cap explodes and, and, and trying to make more money then. Um, Emmanuel Mosley they re-signed. I didn't love the Kyle Juszczyk signing. He, like, again, he's who are they competing against here? I, I don't really understand that, but... Um, he is an important piece of like the scheme that they're trying to make, trying to use. So I think that was good. And then uh, DJ Jones resigned another interior defensive lineman to him to uh, to bolster that the depth there. So I thought overall, like it wasn't like a super super flashy free agency so far, but I I like what the 49ers have done. I think they uh, add strength to a strength by you know making those offensive line moves and and. Um, me they got better in free agency and even though they didn't like do a ton of different stuff did you like the trent williams signing kevin yeah i loved it you had to do it you had to do it um he was going to reach free agency he had a no tag provision um everything if you want to see we've seen this so many times but if you want to see a position that we don't talk enough about wait till you see a team lose a tackle like trent williams um and 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 see what that does to the offense so totally in favor of it i'm i'm good with the money that they spent because they had to do it I also think that this is all if, if it ends up going this way, it, it, it there's a real chance they cut Jimmy Garoppolo or trade him away and then have a, either a rookie quarterback step in or this make year? some kind of a deal. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. If they cut Garoppolo, they can save 23 of the 26 million dollars they owe him. And if you, they could move for either whether it's Sam Darnold or I don't know, maybe even a Mac Jones. I don't know. <laughs> I OK, what, what's that growl? You don't think it's going to happen? <laughs> I don't even know I, the no, name I'm of that say, I'm just saying. It would take a lot for them to be set a quarterback. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think that the Niners would roll the dice with Mac Jones next year. I think Darnold is a possibility, but I yeah. don't think. I don't think a, a a a not top five rookie quarterback would be. I think that Darnold is better than Jimmy G. Do you think I'm crazy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. I I haven't seen a lot of evidence for it, but I certainly you know like Diana Rossini was on. Uh, Rosillo last night and he was talking about she was talking about how um, the guys who were at Darnold's pro day were just blown away at how talented he was and that's still the prevailing thought in the league and I talked to guys like uh, who talk about that too just about how much promise that Sam Darnold still has and he's been in a really crappy situation um, and I think that you know there's a reason that the hypothetical is what would have happened if Patrick Holmes was was on the Jets and coached by by Adam Gase um, because it would have been really ugly. And I think you need you need a Sam Darnold in a Kyle Shanahan offense to just sort of figure it out. Uh, I just wouldn't put a ton of capital into trying to acquire Sam Darnold and 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 finding out just because again there's not a huge paper trail at the NFL level. It's just the static keep coming back to whenever I think of the 49ers. 
Here's the list of just quarterbacks, most passing yards ever for their first 16 starts. So not like in one season, but the first 16 starts they made. For most ever is Patrick Mahomes. Number two is Nick Mullins. <laughs> Who they just Three cut. is Andrew Luck. Four is Kurt Warner. Wow. That's the Mount Rushmore of most passing yards through the first four starts. And so I kind of look at it as Nick Mullins basically did that while Jimmy was injured. And like, mm-hmm. if that is possible, why is Jimmy getting $26 million? And I kind of feel like if Sam Donald's making $5 million this year, and even the, the Rays would still go to 20 next year, I think that Darnold's ceiling is higher than Jimmy G. And I think that he's better than Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins could do that. Why can't Sam Darnold do that? And more. I think that's fascinating, are, but are, I kind of I, I are you, are you advocating I are you advocating for Nick Mullins to be to be QB one? <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is he's better than Andrew Luck. He's a generational prospect. That's how it should have gone down. My question though, with with all these hypotheticals, is is a guy like Darnold going to come in and immediately like function efficiently in Shanahan's system? That's fair because it took Matt Ryan a, se- a full season. Before he became the MVP guy that he was, you know, with, with Shanahan, the second season with Shanahan. So that's sort of something I have to factor into, like the math of everything is does San Francisco see themselves bringing in a new quarterback and immediately hitting the ground running? Or do they find it again? Like I said before, I think they see them see see themselves as Super Bowl contenders this year. So um I don't know if they're willing to bet on that. I, I think I kind of agree with Kevin here. Like it would be a big gamble to give the keys to the offense to someone that hasn't been in it. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I do. I want to see it happen. I, I want to see Darnold go with the 49ers, but I'm not convinced that they do it quite yet. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Are there are there any other winners you want to shout out? Any other teams just notably just liked what they did? So I think the Bills have had a solid yeah. run of it so far. Nothing flashy, but again, they they re-signed Matt Milano, re-signed Daryl Williams, right tackle, guard John Feliciano, like shoring up their offensive line. Just again, not it's a railroad investing in railroads of free agency, but um, alligator removal. Yeah, yeah, alligator removal. But I think overall, you know, adding Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he's not like a number one type guy, but a good veteran presence there. Um, so I think, yeah, overall what they've done is good. And then the Chiefs getting Joe Tooney and then Kyle Long, you know, kind of shore up what they've got going on in free agency, I think was solid. But then you also have to kind of factor in the fact they cut both of their tackles. So I don't know if that's just lateral movement for them. Um, so I would say they kind of like fall 
they're like honorable mention, but I do like, I like the, the, the Thuni signing or Thuni and Kyle Long. That's very intriguing. If he can get back to like what he was playing before he retired, um, that could be huge for them. I just want to say Union Pacific appears to be the biggest railroad company in America and their stock is about, about double what it was in 2017, 2018. So I think it is a good wow. investment. Wow. There we go. If you if you had got in early, I don't know if you want to get in right now. I don't know. Most of what I learned, don't buy high. Yeah. Most of what I learned about railroad investing is from Monopoly, and just that was always like (laughs) my mom would always make sure to get the railroads at Monopoly whenever we played. She always wanted all four. That was like an easy trade to make. Maybe she's like the Seahawks. I could just trade her some mid round picks just for the railroads. (laughs) All right. Well, this pod is getting off the rails. So, oh, did you guys? (laughs) Did you want to hit any any other losers here? I got a couple losers. I want to talk about some losers for sure. Let's go. Uh, what are the lions doing? Is my question <laughs> in general, or what would you say you're doing here? So I think I kind of included the fact that they lost Matt Stafford. I know this doesn't really count as free agency, but like they, I took in my mind they did a huge downgrade at quarterback. Um, I don't think they're one Jamal Williams signing away from being a contender, so I don't really understand that versus just like picking up a guy in, in rookie free agency. Um, the Tyrell Williams signing felt a little rich, like just bring back Marvin Jones. Maybe he just didn't want to go back to Detroit, but, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then Josh Hill. The one, I, I did like the Romeo Arquara one. I think that was a, a solid deal. Yes. So like that one, I'm not you know, picking nits with or poo-pooing, but I think overall, like what the Lions are, the Lions look to me like they're going to be terrible and nothing they've done has changed my opinion of that. So um, I would say they were one of the losers, uh, you know, just of this general week. So I just want to point out Lions are actually one of the least successful hunters in the entire animal kingdom. They only like get like a (laughs) kill in like 15% of their hunts. And I think it's extremely relevant about the Detroit Lions. Mm. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. The, listen, the Lions are kind of blowing it up a little bit. I think the Jared yeah. Goff thing, because he's starting, it it probably obscured the fact that they're doing a total teardown because they actually have a, have a plan, plan being in huge quotation marks, a quarterback. Um, they made a nine-minute <laughs> tribute video to Matt Stafford, which is a little long. That's long. It's a long tribute video. Um, but I, I listen, they got smart people there. I like their staff in general. Um, the Holmes, who came from LA as their as their GM, seems like a smart dude. Um, so I think that there's there's a plan there. I just kind of think, like with the Jaguars here, like they're just uh, uh, you know they're going to spend a little bit to, to kind of establish a culture or whatever. But this is this is a long game here. Well, it's a experiment of like they're bringing football guys, so like former players and the coaching staff <laughs> from the top yeah. on down. It just seems to be like we're going to be football smash mouth. I mean, it's not even about analytics. It's just about like toughness is at the core. And at least they have an idea of what I they want to I kind of like that. I, I kind of like that when you're, establishing, like when you're establishing a culture, I kind of like actually establishing the culture instead of just flailing and making weird signings. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's good to have a plan. I think that we've, this is, this is a take. I think that we've now, uh, we now underrate toughness in football. I agree. Ooh. I think you're right about that. I, 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 it is, at the end of the day, an extremely physical sport that relies on a lot of, and again, this this word is is loaded here, um, but it's. I do think that you do need some grit here. Uh, I say this as someone who writes about analytics all the time. Uh, grit and toughness are important. I think Love you're it. right, honestly. I like, like, yeah. it, it, especially the, the rarest thing with football is long-term planning. And if you're going to actually get the chance to like build a culture in a long term, you want to have an identity. And that's what I think is actually, to me, the most disappointing thing about what the Raiders did because Gruden, when he's handed a 10 year deal for a hundred million dollars is you get what no one else gets is what's your long-term vision without worrying about your short-term job security. And he kind of hasn't really built an identity for that Raiders team. He just threw, he paid a bunch of premium prices to fill holes in the roster. And they, those, solutions didn't even fix the problems like oh, those holes are still holes in the roster and they still have no identity so as much as like the twitter clips of dan campbell on going around of like the lions press conference and he's like we're gonna bite kneecaps phrasing it's not the best it wasn't like the best way to put it but i do appreciate that attitude and honestly players like that it is important and so you know maybe there's a better way to like handle the media but i do think that that it does really matter we'll see if they can actually 
build a team around that, though. There's a difference between saying it and then building a team intelligently around that idea. You can't, as, as the, the old standard between goes, you can't build the entire point out of grit. But, what you, <laughs> but if you're, you're going to eat, eat crap in your first year and you know you're going to go 5 and 11, you might as well try to establish some sort of, um, some sort of culture for at least the young guys. And speaking yeah. of grits, Kevin, you're from the South, so you know grits. You know that scene of My Cousin Vinny where they're talking about instant grits versus like real grits, which take like 20, 25 minutes to make, like soak and then make yeah. with bar none. Grit in real life is kind of similar. You can't just get instant grit. It does take years for a team to like build grit and like you have to go through like cliche alert, trials and tribulations and adversity and then you get there. But it's real. You do can't you fake think, it. Do you think that people can learn grit and can you have a little bit of grit or yeah, what, are you the... just, are you born with grit and you're a hundred percent gritty? hundred <laughs> percent gritty. The gritty. Mascot. No, I think like, that, you that's know, a really you know, good question. I think, you know, you know what informed me about grit is like the old Ravens defense, right? Like guys like Ed Reed, like Ed Reed to me, like I, I would sign Ed Reed. I know we didn't have a great end of career kind of bouncing around situation, like I want Ed Reed in my locker room at all times to establish a culture. Like that's mm -hmm. that's the grit guy to me, and I feel like Ed Reed was born with grit and had it full bore. Right? Like know. there was it's never like a third. When Ed Reed was thirteen, he was not like I'm going to work on my grit this summer. <laughs> I mean, I think tough times tough times don't last, but tough people do. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> that gets really good. I so the Seahawks used to be very into grit like it was like a huge part of their program yeah um, angela duckworth you, they brought in angela duckworth to speak she wrote a book on grit and i believe you know in researching kind of like how they look at it and everything i, I believe that duckworth even wrote this like it's almost it's, it's timely because it's almost like being inoculated that they, they even use the verb or like the term inoculated with grit it's something that you have to to me it's like grit comes from having an experience, learning to get through that experience and make like, it's not, it's not like working hard. There's a difference between working hard and having grit. You know, you have to have, this is like the Seahawks, just for one example, it's like they've, you know, sort of looked for guys that have had to get through difficult situations in their life, whether that means <clears throat> their living situation, um, having gone through, tragic tragedy in their life things like that that these guys have been able to they've been inoculated by these tough times essentially i think it's it's fascinating i don't know like 100 percent, you know if it, if it really works i think it's like kevin said it's not everything but it is one of those things where like when times start being when times start going poorly for you or on your team or whatever if like really something really hard you know um having that experience of getting through a really hard situation and coming out you know better for it in the end. I think that's like what a lot of teams are looking for. These guys that are just going to endure and, you know, not have little things like kind of push them off course. So, um, I don't know. I think it's fascinating, but again, like, like Kevin said, it's not everything. You can't just build a team but, that's gritty and they're automatically going to be good. Are you saying that the Seahawks are going to trade Russell Wilson for Dan Campbell? <laughs> no, I think I think it makes a yeah. good point though. Like there's a generational thing here too, right? Like I'm I'm 26, you guys are in your 30s. And even just in that little gap, there is like a question of and I think this hangs over a lot of the player empowerment thing of the flip side to like a lot of these trade requests in NBA and NFL of players wanting out of situations is also about is this about controlling your destiny? And I think that some older people do look at this as are you just not willing to sit through the tough times and you just move on to the next thing when you face a little adversity? And I do think a lot of older people look down on that. And I think that it's not the whole situation, but there's certainly a nugget of truth in that. I think that there's like an interesting yeah. generational rift that is a part of the broader culture and that it just extends the sports like it does everything else. I don't know, man. I, I, I think I value grit and toughness and all that stuff, but I still think that like, Russell Wilson should have a say in how his team operates. <laughs> yeah, or it's, not it's not binary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not an either or thing. Like I can still just be like, man, the Jack Easterby is an idiot, but I can also be like, toughness is good. Jack, I don't think Jack Easterby is trying to preach toughness. I think he's trying to preach Jack Easterby. Well, you didn't like his stand up routine? God. Man, Jack you didn't have your roll it over? Those Jack Easterby videos are not good. The most annoying yeah, part of that, the whole thing, other than just the entire thing, was that he was like, yeah, dude, we're going to catch some waves at night, which is everyone goes surfing in the morning. 
No one goes surfing at like eight o'clock at night. Have you gone surfing, Heifetz? <laughs> no, my friends. I, they've been trying to get me. The boards are expensive, dude. Also, you have to get up at Just, like four in the morning. It's cold. Okay. Anyway, maybe I'll go thought. surfing on that alligator lake. <laughs> you can take me wakeboarding okay. or something. Okay. All right. I think that's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on. Thank you to all those alligator people keeping everyone safe. Um, thank you to the Seahawks for hiring Kevin as GM. And thank you to everyone for listening. This is The Big Board on the NFL Show, and we will see you guys next Friday. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.